High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideons. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. Hello and welcome to High Vibe Nation, the number one positive media show for the raising the vibe of the planet, a space for you to remember the power within you. It's a love revolution. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and today we have a special edition here. Wow, we've got the amazing Harrison Klein, Jennifer Hugh, Mikey Adam Cohen, JP Walsh, and Sarah Lee. And we're going to be talking today about this amazing summit that's coming up, as well as some interesting and amazing stories that each of them are going to share. But this summit, I want you to make sure you register for this summit. It is going to be amazingly filled with some amazing visionaries. And that is called Small Shifts, Big Changes. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hey. Hi, Jerry. Hey. Hi. And uh, that was Jennifer Huff and G.P. Walsh, Sherry. Awesome. Glad to have every single one of you. And Harrison, why don't you start us out and tell us all about where the name for this summit came from? Well, you know, um, we all have urges within us to become better, bigger, more successful, more amazing in every single way. That's part of the human situation. And as we grow, we, we want to expand our knowledge. We want to expand our life processes. And all of us have been through all kinds of different parts of our hero's journey, if you will. And that hero's journey opens us up to want more, to understand more, to become more. And what I found in all the years that I've been working with people, and since my own uh, major experiences have changed my life, it only takes like an occasional small word or a small way to shift to create a big change that, that matters for the rest of your life. And so in putting a, this idea together, I mean, uh, the, sometimes the you know one little phrase or one little sentence, and many people have have talked about their one experience that made the difference in the rest of their lives. And so I thought I would do this with about 200 uh, ways to do that with about 70 speakers and some of the most significant people on the planet that do this work. And that's strong in career and finances and in personal growth and spirituality and in relationships and love and all the great things that, that people go through. So parenting and so on and so forth. So sometimes just a word will make a difference in your child. Sometimes a word to you if you're down and, and depressed can make a difference in changing your life. Sometimes, you know, one little thing can spark your romance back to, you know, extravagant you know, into interactions. I love that. You know, for me, it started out in 1997. I had a near-death experience and went to the other side. And I was given all of these messages to bring back to the world. But it was 1997. And the world wasn't ready to hear the things that we're sharing at this level today. And so, I mean, I had to have courage to go through some of the moments of, you know, the experiences I went through, but one of the things that had been said to me in the light was that I never had to worry that all the right people would show up at the right moment to help me move forward. And yeah. so my message was to bring back the now, the moment. And so I've lived the last 24 years working on surrendering and just being in the moment and tapping more into those feelings. So tell us a little bit about your experience. I know that people are really hungry to hear a little bit of these kind of stories. My personal experience? Yes. Uh, my personal experience is sort of a miracle. I'm sort of a miracle baby. Um, basically, I was uh, in a state of severe constriction for about 28 years of my life. I was uh, what you would call autistic. Uh, and I was in a place where all of my awareness had been shut down. I was not conversational. I was unable to feel I had a very uh, difficult pain body, as Eckhart Tolle would call it. I was uh, um, very um, 
dull and by my senses were all very very dull and and, and difficult and and uh, you know i heard about every third word in my hearing and you know it was uh, my my sight was sort of filled like looking through uh, wax paper or cellophane you know it was distorted in that way and and i had a miracle experience and in one one experience it changed my entire life it was sort of a a whole brand new influx and in, in a fusion of energy about a hundred times more than I had ever felt to that point, maybe a thousand times more. And so, you know, um, that kind of experience, I've never been the same from that moment on. And, you know, it just uh, was a extraordinary way to understand things. And when I came back into my body after I was yanked out of my consciousness was sort of yanked out of my body for a while. Uh, when I came back into my body, I had a whole new beingness that wasn't there before. I had new awareness. I had uh, um, ex exciting new energy. I became articulate for the first time. My IQ probably raised anywhere between 20 to 50 points. I don't know how many points it was, but I'm guessing it was a lot. And, you know, I, uh, I was just a better human being and I had all these other additional powers of clairvoyance and clairaudience and clairsentience at that time. I don't use them that much these days except for when I need to or when it comes to but, uh, but uh, yeah, so those, those things were all available to me. I never even knew such a thing existed, let alone experienced it myself. I hadn't read about it. I hadn't heard about it. I hadn't you know, ever uh, talk to anybody in, in any way that had any kind of, you know, knowledge of those things that they expressed to me in one form or another. So it was just a whole new world that I that I stepped into, and the world has never been the same since, or at least I haven't been in it the same way, one or the other. <laughs> I love that you just shared. I mean, in a nutshell, you just shared what happened to me, and it was from that space that I've never been the same either. So thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I could feel my entire heart open up as you just yeah. shared. Thank you. I bet there are millions of people who have had such experiences that it just it's not that they're just not talked about that much. But now it's the time for that kind of discussion to be open. Now is the time for people to take on that new experience of of becoming the best and bigger and, and most amazing you that you can be. And that's the, uh, that's the, that's the leverage point where this, uh, where, where this uh, conference starts. We want to, we want to find the leverage points for everyone to take on the bigger, better, more significant success mechanisms that are, and activate those success mechanisms that are all mechanisms that are already within us. So absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I'm so grateful to have come together with you because this is literally what how it happens. This is how we create these shifts is, is when we bring our energy together in oneness and realize there's no separation. We're all one. When one or more is there, uh, I am there too. I think that was something biblical about what that is, the synergy, you know? So mm -hmm. synergy is where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And so uh, we become something different and better, you know? whatever that happens to be. And we experience what we all want is more life, right? We want more experience of life in a deeper, more expansive and more significant way. And we become that as we, as we open our hearts up, as we open our minds up, as we embrace humanity and the light of consciousness and you know, all the great things that exist on this planet for joy and for amazing uh, beauty and truth. You know? so. Yeah. Absolutely. There's only three ways to God, truth, beauty, and love. And those I hope you're writing everything down that he's talking about. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just taking it in, and I am just in, you don't even know, I, I'm trying to hold back my emotions right now because oh, I'm really? so grateful, so grateful for this moment. This is yeah, what was too. shown to me 24 years ago, that I would literally come together in oneness with people like yourself. And I have the chills everywhere right now. So I'm receiving it. Thank you. How oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that you're receiving it. Yes. And you know what? Everybody on this call has received it too. So that's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yes, absolutely. So Jennifer Hugh, tell us about you, my friend, <laughs> this amazing light that I'm seeing through the camera right now. Yeah, well, it's uh, first of all, it's great to be here. And thank you so much for 
for having us. And Harrison, that was lovely. My heart is just cracked wide open. You know, my cells are just, just lit up from what you just shared. Uh, so a little bit about me, a little bit about the background, Sherry. Yeah. Yes, please. So I came into all of this kicking and screaming. Really kicking and screaming. My, uh, my father was an entrepreneur and my mother was a, a school teacher. And, um, so I had a path all set out for me. I went into university for economics and accounting mm. and I worked for a big multinational and then God bless. I got sick. I got really sick. I ended up with, uh, I almost died much like you. Wow. Uh, I almost died. I had uh, incredible migraines, uh, chronic fatigue. Um, and I was very clear that I was not going to be very long on this planet. And it catalyzed me into a world that I never, you know, these things happen. I, I love the saying that things happen for us and not to us. And it was very clear 10 years later that that happened for me. But while I was going through, through it, I can tell you, it felt like it was happening to me. And I went mm -hmm. kicking and screaming. What ended up happening to me is I studied psychoneuroimmunology and I studied nutrition and I got a master's in nutrition. I ended up running the largest holistic nutrition practice in Canada. So as a result of doing that, um, I was able, because I needed to do it with my left brain. I needed the science, right? I needed right. to somehow have the backup for what I was doing. And I did all these cleanses and I was one of those people, which I'm sure some of you have experienced. I was one of those people that needed to do five cleanses a year, you know, needed to eat no sugar, no wheat, no dairy, no fun, no alcohol, <laughs> no anything. And I thought to myself, gosh, I really don't think that all of creation that's infinite, first of all, has it that I have to restrict myself the rest of my life and I have to keep excavating things from myself in order to be all I can be. When I really didn't feel like I was being all I could be, it felt more like I was managing or, or basically surviving. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I was surviving my life, I thought, no, it can't be this way. In my practice, I had a woman who had a... Uh, who had a brain tumor and had migraines and it scared the living daylights out of me because I was getting migraines mm. and I was specializing in them. And mm. this woman said, uh, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Within two weeks she was gone. Mm. And I thought, what was that? What just happened there? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I started having wakened dreams. And in the wakened dreams, I started getting told uh, things. I didn't know where they were coming from. I thought I was going crazy. I thought I should admit myself. And um, I started hearing uh, how it all really works, how our lives work, um, that we're made of multidimensional DNA, what the multidimensional DNA was how we function, uh, how we can go direct with consciousness, how more than 90% of us is not three-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional, how uh, we can make quantum leaps in our life as a new normal, that miracles can become normals just by understanding physics and uh, understanding practical physics, you know, everyday mm -hmm. physics, you don't have to become a scientist. And as I understood those principles, my clients, you know, my clientele grew to people from all over the world and they would fly in to see me. And then my, uh, my entire life changed when I realized that the, you know, so much of the root cause of illness has very little to do with nutrition, which is why I wasn't getting all the way better. And as I started to understand um, what it means to actually embody the idea that consciousness had before I got here, what it actually means to be the uh, dream of consciousness and live that way, and the practicalities of that, the superpowers I had, but then the superpowers that everyone has. Right. As I started to understand that, I thought, oh my gosh, why did I get so uptight about changing the world? The world, <laughs> the world can shift. I was, I was infinite wisdom's good idea. I mean, it does not. And so is everybody else here and everybody listening is infinite wisdom's good idea. And it's really catching up to the alignment with that, that had all those superpowers drop in. 
and had me know that I'm not special, mm-hmm. that um, I might be special in that I caught up to them really fast, but my job is to build bridges so that everyone can make those quantum leaps. And that's really how we change this, change this uh, world of current polarity and duality. We use those superpowers to transcend this three-dimensional survival mechanism that's going on right now, this environment of survival such that we can actually move into a phase of building bridges to all of us, not needing to get our power from others, but actually having that connection to the power that already existed, already exists, but you have to get out of survival mode in order to embody all of those. You actually have to know what the skills are Mm -hmm. to actually download those abilities. You have to be willing to make that quantum leap. That's why everyone right now, Sherry, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm sure you're you're all feeling the same thing. Yep. There's this feeling in my clientele and they all feel like I'm right on the cusp of something. I feel like something big is right there. I feel like I'm just about to leap or that I can almost smell what's next for me. And I feel like I'm yeah. underutilizing, you know, who I am. So, so, so that's, that's, where I came from. And uh, that's where I'm at now. It's, uh, for me, it's an incredible time to be alive and to be able to doing be doing something like this program through Harrison. It's just a, a brilliant, brilliant conduit for people to be able to not only bridge their own lives, but the world at large. And I'm very grateful to be a part of it. Wow. You know what? You just later, I mean, it's like, obviously I'm in the company of each one of you on purpose because literally that is the story of my second near death. I was, you know, gave birth to twins and one week later had a massive heart attack. And they said I was going to die in six months without a heart transplant. Instead of connecting to the appearance of dis-ease, I immediately embodied only whole, perfect and complete awareness embodied it and from that space my doctor of course thought that I was you know he said this is airy fairy thinking and we need to look at this realistically and I said no I'm going to show you what's possible for all of us and it was in that space that I bead every day from the space of wholeness and healed ended up healing to 100% and never needed the transplant so it's like listening to what you just shared. I mean, that's it. That is truly yeah. it. And living in the now. I mean, understanding how to utilize this power in the now. Yeah, and that it it has a scientific basis, Sherry. That's the mm-hmm. thing for me. This is not some woo concept like you were told and I was told. Yep. In fact, right now I'm working with some very... Uh, let's say high level people to create a platform that actually shifts the face of healthcare. Wow. Um, and it's happening. It's, it's, it's not under the radar. It's literally financed and, and getting financed as we speak and it's happening. So, and it's really being supported, which is crazy given 25 years ago. And then I also had a second near death experience when I got meningitis. So it's, you know, it's happening. This is the time we're all the bridges. That's why we all feel that calling that's so urgent to get on with why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to make sure that everyone in our audience who's watching You know what? These are the kind of speakers that you're going to hear on this amazing summit that's coming up. Small shifts, big changes. So make sure you go to www.smallshiftsbigchanges and register for this event. You definitely do not want to miss out because you're going to be learning about some amazing things to make those shifts in your own life. And so Mikey Adam Cohen, here you are, my friend. Hey, how are you guys? Awesome. Um, Tell us about you. I don't even know how to follow that. I mean, <laughs> those two, I don't, those three, I don't, I don't know how to follow you three, but I, all I know is like, you have to make mistakes in your life in order to, you know, find greatness and find yourself. And, you know, even if you have to just fall, fall forward and, and um, realize, you know, that you failed by falling forward instead of standing upright. Um, there's so, there's so much to life and there's so much greatness out there. And, um, Harrison is my mentor now and um, my, my main mentor, let's say, and I, I can't be any more joyful and 
been happy to have him in my life. And as you know, like it's a testament of everything perfect and, and happy and soulful and oh, brilliant. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I can't say enough. <laughs> I'm so grateful. So thank you for taking me on. I know I'm a lot. <laughs> and thank you, Mikey. You've been a joy all the way through and an angel in my life. So really very cool. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit how you got into this, Mikey. So, um, yeah, so I was born with a uh, disability, very mentally challenging. Um, it's called XYY. Um, it's when the um, sperm splits uh, before hitting the egg. And um, it causes um, ADHD, uh, anxiety throughout my whole life. Um, uh, I have, like, female breast tissue, um, like a female stomach. Um, a, a lot of people don't know this because I'm not openly about it. Um, so much, um, but I have a protruding forehead. Uh, everyone that has it is six four. The major, almost eighty percent of the people that have ever had the same um, disability are all in jail or or um, convicted felons. Mm. Uh, so happens to be, um, but it comes with a superhuman ability to tell if anyone is um, being transparent in their full self at any given time. So I've used that throughout my life um, in adaptive PE and disabled student services and whatever else I've been able to find myself and find the way and so to speak and um, at a young age I knew that um, I was here to help as many people as possible um, discover their purpose and live the best fulfilling life they could so um, you know I had a, I had a, I had a private school upbringing and uh, that was interesting and challenging and I finally just um, did some things to kind of get out of that situation that probably weren't the best idea, but then my parents put me in public school, which I excelled um, in advanced classes and whatnot. And then I learned, um, I didn't even know what a, a black person was, an Asian person, anything was because of my private school upbringing. So going to public school was probably one of the best things they could have done for me because now I was on this step team and I was you know, learning everything that I always wanted to know about and I wasn't so sheltered and I was able to really live. So then I started serving and being on as many committees as possible, which put me on the San Diego City Council uh, Youth Committee and the Mayor's Youth Summit, which um, then I was able to make decisions that happened in the city at just like 16, 17, 18 years old. And then I realized that's the kind of work that I wanted to do the rest of my life. So um, throughout my life, I've lived in music and entertainment, um, interviewing the best of the best, um, and just, I think I do it because I want to gain from a little piece of them. I want to be able to collect the best of the best, just like I have all you guys today. But, uh, um, I think I love it, everything about it, each one of you and there's so much to live for. So, Wow, that's awesome. And so, I mean, it sounds like despite everything that you went through mm -hmm. with the appearance of dis-ease or, you know, illness or what you faced in your own life that you've been able to tap into your heart that you've been able to tap into that and align yourself with people like we have today align yourself with people that could really help you to you know own your own power and to see the light in yourself yeah i've always been a heart centered so if uh, if i don't feel it in my heart i don't go on the project regardless of what's involved and um you know i've always served pretty much pro bono so like um i don't know i'm harrison is allowing me to finally change my relationship with money and and i allow the money to come in um but uh you know i think i've i've held back on that for a long time so um and i and i've over delivered every time so that's that's going to change the shit I'm justified yeah. of that yeah yeah <laughs> and i've yeah. been class so i will say i've been harrison's class and it's it's probably one of the best things i've ever done for myself about illuminaries and illuminating the lives that I want and, you know, really putting the work into each and every day to have the life that I want. And I think it's time. And I think, like you all said, we're in a good place to come together, align and, you know, really uh, respect each other's diversity and acknowledge one another and love one another and just be there and listen, you know, listening is, is you know, I think the best thing that parents can do because I work with kids is, not necessarily to uh, pay them an allowance, but actually to listen to them. Mm -hmm. There for them is 
probably bigger than anything possible. I know that from experience. <laughs> I love that. And that's, you know, if, don't you think that that's what a lot of society has dealt with is that money issue, that financial issue. I mean, I came up during the 60s and the 70s and it was always on one level, my father was an overachiever. On the other level, my mother was the glasses half full. And she always was saying, there's not enough. There's not enough money. Money doesn't grow on trees. And so that, you know, was set in my belief system. And so throughout my life, I kept, you know, repeating that belief in my subconscious mind and therefore was rec recreating lack and limitation. And so many of us as human beings in this last year with COVID and all of that, they really had to let go. Oh yeah, especially during that time. And, and then for all the people that had to rely on just the government to live um, and now I have to change that relationship and find out what they want to do. Hopefully this this whole event is, is powerful to help them make that shift to realize they have a gift and they can make money from it. I mean, mm. there's so much from the summit that's going to change a lot. Of I love it. And it sounds like Harrison, my goodness. I mean, that vibe is a high vibe with his heart tapped into pure love and really wanting to be a conduit for this message to be given through him. And, and it's obviously, it's like Les Brown used to say, speak your message and allow the fairy dust to be delivered and sprayed all over the people that you speak to and they will receive an energy signature within their own beingness. And I was like, I always remember that so deeply because right now is the time. Everybody here is Tinkerbell. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Mikey. I adore you, my friend. Thanks for having me on your show. I adore you too. I love this show. I love you. Um, every time I get to spend any time with you, this is a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. You bet. GP, <laughs> the amazing. Tell Hello. us about you and what you're giving to the world. What is your message? Um, wow. Well, um, it's changed over the years, um, and, but it's, it's essentially remained the same. Um, at, a, at a very young age, um, you know, my mother was mentally ill. Uh, my father was a, a good guy, but couldn't do Boost your volume, GP. <clears throat> I will. Okay. How's that? Is that better? Awesome. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I can't tell. It's different on different systems. Right. You're sitting on another system and everybody's, hey, stop, stop. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, uh, as I was saying, it, it, as a kid, it was very, very, very difficult. Never know who's going to be there. My mother was just was just nuts, and it was a it was a uh, it was a pall that hung over the whole house. My father just kind of disappeared. He couldn't deal with it, and um, so everything for me was a was a struggle. Never felt loved. Never felt comfortable. Never felt safe. Not for a moment. And um, uh, had a gift for music. Got into music. Got into rock and roll, and everything that went with it. So basically, at 19 years old, I was a drugged-out hippie that couldn't, could barely function, didn't want to live. I hated my life. I hated the world. I hated absolutely everything. And uh, one night, completely uninvited, <laughs> without any kind of input from me, this, um, this thing just came over me. This voice started talking to me and just um, completely tore back the curtain and said, this is what it really is and just showed me the original innocence in everyone's heart. And ever since then, I've just not been able to look at anybody, anybody without seeing that. And um, this was 1971, by the way. So wow. of, course, of course, the miracles hadn't been written yet. Um, I had no context whatsoever. Uh, you know, in reference to what Harrison said, millions of people out there have this experience, but they have no idea what to do with it, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, what, well, I didn't know. What the hell did I, what, what did I know? I'm a, I'm a drugged out rock and roll drummer. Suddenly I'm talking to God. What the hell do we do now? Right? And, <laughs> right. Um, and so, but over time, it just began to unfold the, the, the incredible dysfunction that I had. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't hold a job. I, you know, I, I, I mean, I was totally dysfunctional. Um, and little by little, all of this, it all fell away. First, it, it, all the drugs and everything, but within months, it was all gone. I mean, all, everything I was doing uh, had just completely vanished. I was in school. I was getting straight A's. I was, uh, suddenly, I'm writing music. It was like a completely different world, just in a flash. But the depths to which it had to penetrate had, had yet to dawn on me. It would be decades before I'd really begin to understand the entire 
process, how the human heart actually works, how you actually touch it and reach it, and how you actually end suffering. And suffering, you know, have to know what its cause is. Mm. And, at, and at, the root of the, at the root of suffering is simply the misunderstanding of who you actually are and an alienation from that original innocence, which is the true nature of your soul. And so that pretty much put me on the path from that point forward of discovering that the whole process by which by this could, we could be awakened in every single individual. And to, you know, as they say in the, in the Sufi, wherever the eye lands, it sees the face of God. To truly be in that state where there's no more there's no more difficult, sinful, stupid person standing in mm -hmm. front of you. It literally is the, uh, the face of God. And it took decades to get to that point where I would understand it. And then more time to put together a, a process by which it would be approachable. You know, as teachers know, it's the job of the teacher to build the bridge. Yeah. You, know, you don't stand on the other side of the river and say, hey, come on, find your way over, you know. I mean, you have to build, have build, build the bridge. And um, that process I named inner reconciliation, which is just the resolution of all of that original soul disconnect that made you alienate yourself from yourself, and so the the best parts of you get sent to get sent to the basement um, and become inaccessible. But what was shown to me that night, um, and it <laughs> every time I think about it, fifty years later, I still get choked up. Um, what was shown to me that night is that that, that part of you is never lost. Mm -hmm. It does get buried, it gets obscured, it has to, because it has to be protected from the environment which is antagonistic towards it. But it's never lost, and there are ways to rediscover it. And um, that's, that's what I do, is I help people rediscover it. Because for me it's as plain as the nose on your face. I love the way you put everything, by the way, just like the mm -hmm. way you speak is so... I don't know if everyone else agrees, but Jerry, this is like your third. Uh, and he's a sexy beast on top of all that. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison, Harrison and I have been have been uh, swapping barbs now for about ten years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> yeah, maybe more. We are definitely we are definitely brothers <laughs> of the soul, as I am with all these people. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I can, well, and you know, it's so fun because don't even invite me in to play in high vibe because the minute you give me that little entrance, here I come with my, I should go boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that silly, playful Sherry Gideons. But gosh, you know what? It's, I fully get it because literally in my own awakening in 1997, you know, I felt so alone you know, because I had started to ask those questions also. I, w I came from the pro bodybuilding world and it was during the evolution of the 80s and the 90s where, you know, the, the shift and the, you know, the idea of muscle and how much muscle needed to be had and all that, that I starved myself down to 78 pounds and couldn't even mm. see it because I was desperate to, you know, find love and affection and so what happened in my case is I, you know, when I went to the other side, I was shown Sherry from the Sherry that had already fulfilled her mission here on this planet. And I mean, my goodness, the mission that she, you know, decided she was going to live in this lifetime. I didn't realize when I came back into the body that I wasn't going to be her that day. And so... <laughs> You know, here I'm telling what they told me to tell because they, you know, I'm, I'm talking they and I'm saying I am in everything that I communicate. And, you know, I, I went back to church because my family were ministers and their whole thing was you don't say I am, you say he is. And, and I kept saying, listen, I was told you do say I am. And so here I am. My father said, you made your bed, you lie in it. And my mother, who was married to a man the same age as me, he said, I'm not responsible for your grown daughter and her choices. So my mother took us up to the forest and I ended up living in the forest with my children. And I remember at this point being so angry, like you told me this is who I am and this is what I chose. And here I am experiencing ever loving hell and living on the streets. But 
the message I had been told was I never had to worry. All the right people would show up at the right moment. And that's been the story of my life. And I realize now, 24 years later, I am that woman. I'm that woman that I was shown that day because so many of the things that you just shared with us, with this audience, are exactly what I had to go through on my hero's journey. Even to the point where literally every rendition of the hero song that's ever been created has shown up in my moments to speak to me directly. You know, and it's just amazing listening to your story. And and I'm like you when I when I think back to that time, you know, 24 years later, I'm choked up. I feel the power of it, the love of it. So thank you so much for, for sharing, you know, letting Lewis and sharing that gift of you. Appreciate you. One moment changes an entire life. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, all you guys. Yeah, wow. Oh my God, this is going to be a fantastic summit, everyone. Yeah. I am telling you, if you do, you do not want to miss this <laughs> summit. We're talking small shifts, big changes here. You want to go to www.smallshiftsbigchanges.com, and you want to get registered for this event. This is just a little piece of what you're gonna receive at this event. And these are some pretty amazing people. So make sure you do that. Well, we've got Sarah Lee here. Sarah, woo! And, and she doesn't bake. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know that. Yeah, I'm sorry, you may bake. Maybe she bakes. <laughs> Share us the gift of you, my love. Look at that bright, shiny light that you are. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to get into my whole background, but I will touch on some of the things that everyone else has already touched on. Um, I'm not going to get into how I awoke, right? We'll save that for the summit. But I've been teaching money for about 20 years, almost 20 years. And as I realized teaching money, financial literacy, working with people on money issues, I realized that all money issues are people issues. It's never about the money. The money is an extension of your energy. And everything that has to affect your money really has to do with worthiness. Mm. And so a lot of times, I mean, I'm a licensed financial advisor and that's not how financial advising is taught, right? It's not taught as it's a person issue. It's not taught that it's a spiritual issue. It's not taught that it's an energy issue. It's taught that it's a technical issue and we just don't have the technical knowledge. So as a practitioner, I basically combined those two things. I combine spiritual knowledge, spiritual accessibility, worthiness, coaching with money coaching. And um, I now represent in part the Think and Grow Rich brand through my business partner, John Chin. We made a movie about thinking and growing rich, right? The way it's on the book. Um, one of the things that I do personally is I have a coaching program and I teach the difference between forcing and allowing. Mm. A lot of other behaviors, but forcing and allowing is a really good one for this um, topic. I consider the forceful energy a masculine energy. Mm. And we a lot of times think if we want something, we'll go force it, we'll make it happen. Kind of like what you said, right? You had mm. your opening and you're like, now I want to go do this and create this in someone else's mind. Take the invisible and make it visible. And the reality is, is that sometimes we have to allow, we have to embody that feminine energy, which is that receiving energy and that allowing energy, right? And that dance between forcing and allowing is not really taught. It's not really comfortable for people because societally we tell people, go out there and get it, <laughs> make it happen, right? And we don't always explain to them that there is that balance between give and take. And so in a great way, I provide that give and take with my clients. I also, I, I mentioned I was a behavioral therapist um, at UCLA Neuropsychiatric in my early career. So I've combined some of those um, some of those techniques with helping people understand their own behavior and their own feelings about why they don't achieve things in their life. Because it's not just about money. Money only solves money problems, right? Mm -hmm. So I, what I like to do is get that part out of the way so people can experience their full purpose. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, money is one of those things when you're dealing with clients or just people in general where they are so attached to the appearance. And and so how do you help people when they're in that emotional attachment 
And, you know, they're like, you know, I've worked with people who are literally have no money, like they've lost all their money and they're so afraid and fearful. How do you help them to shift out of that in the moment? Well, the, the easiest way, which seems counterintuitive, <clears throat> and people will even argue this point with me sometimes, mm -hmm. you need to give what you hope to receive, mm. right? So if you are feeling like you don't have money, you need to take assessment of what you do have. You need to focus on your gratitude because gratitude is a signal to the universe that you want more of that. But then you also need to figure out where you can serve. And that sounds counterintuitive. People are like, wait, I don't have what I want. And now you're telling me to go out and give something that the little bit I have, or you're telling me to go find out who I can serve. But the reality is, is that by serving, we can serve our way to success. We can serve our way into a position that you might not be able to get, again, by forcing your way into it. You might be able to be, quote unquote, allowed into it by helping other people, putting their interest ahead of your own. Um, but that's kind of the short answer to that is that when someone doesn't feel that they have enough, the first thing I want to do is help them make themselves more aware of what they do have and the habits that are working. And then again, bring in the idea that you can, you can actually get by giving. It sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people, but it's not, it's, I think it's how it's, how it works. You're going to ask the theme panel here, by the way, I'm very honored to be on this panel with everyone here. I mean, Thank you. Amazing. So grateful to have you. Yeah, let's talk, let's all talk about that because that's one of the things that I can say is a big struggle for people in general is, you know, the idea of the appearance of without. What do you think about that, Harrison? Well, you know, the society teaches you to have idealized values as opposed to real values. Uh, you know, real values are what your life demonstrates. Idealized values are what you know, society teaches you. You know, to be a rock star, to be a billionaire, a billionaire, to have all the women, have all the relationships you want, to experience you know, cars and travel and yachts and all those things. Society tells you those are the ideals and things that you want, and people latch on to that. So they, they they tend to want to go for those kinds of experiences. So in doing that kind of a thing, I think they deny a lot about what they're really feeling and who they really are. Um, and their, their values get skewed. So it's, you know, some of them are not, um, you know, um, really in the profile of having the things that they idealize. You know, every, so many kids want to be rock stars, want to be super athletes, so many you know, and, and many of them don't have a chance at any of that kind of stuff. That not that they don't have the innate capability if they want to, because they'll they'll find it if they really want to. But but bottom line is is that when I talk to somebody, for example, about making a million dollars, or they say they want to make a million dollars, I ask them why they want a million dollars. The first thing they tell me is, I want to buy cars, I want to buy houses, I want to have you know big travel, I want to meet expensive. Uh, I want to have expensive luxuries of all different sources. I said, what about making that money? <laughs> you know, the values are not on spending it. It's about making it. You got to, you got to learn to save. You got to learn to, uh, you, you got to learn to invest. You got to learn to find out what your relationship with money basically is. Otherwise, you know, there is no place that you can, you can go just by wishing it, you know, although it's a start, <laughs> it's a start. But um, yeah, so the appearance is sometimes way more important to people than, than the actual experience of things. And you know that's a skewed value that uh, society teaches you to have because media inundates you with you know, all these things that are so idealized that uh, very few people can, or, or you know, they wanna reach it, but they don't, they don't really focus on that. They think it's an overnight magic. There is a lot of overnight magic, but you know, mostly it's a lot of methodical training and work. <laughs> Sherry, one of the things I learned is that what a lot of times what people really want is significance. Yeah, what they want is they happiness want, and significance. Yeah, they yeah. want significance, not the money, right? Yeah. So if you tell them this is how you make money, these are the steps, other people won't take the steps because that's not actually what they want. Right. What they want is some effect, as Harrison has said in the past, some effect of money but not necessarily the cause of money because okay. the cause of money is service. The cause of money is helping other people. 
right? Other people pay you when you've given them what they want. Then I have all the money I need. Yeah. What was that, Mikey? I didn't hear you. Then I have all the money I need because that's that's me in a nutshell. If I never spend a nickel, I have all the money I need for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't, isn't it funny that we run around having conversations about worth? And uh, it hit me one day, I was watching a, a sunset, um, because you can see it from our front porch. And I thought, if this was a deserving-based universe or a worth-based universe, I would have to actually do something to be worth that sunset. <laughs> and I thought, that's impossible. I can't, po this is about, I don't know, 15 years ago or so when I first started having the waking dreams. And I thought, who thought that? That was, that was, that was, that was quite something. Right. And, uh, and then I thought, yeah, and how did I deserve today's worth of air? How did I earn today's worth, uh, yeah. worth of air that I breathe? And, uh, you know, that moment really changed me because I realized that running around having a worthiness-based conversation was not very, it was a real waste of energy. And I love what you said, Sarah, about significance. Yes. We ran around trying to be significant enough even to be worthy of the sunset mm -hmm. or to have this great life when the great life is right there. There's the sunset. Here's mm -hmm. the air I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. And we distract ourselves from the presence, as GP was saying, from the presence of what already is there you know it's it's it, it's right here and it's a it's a beautiful experience to be able to and some of us right now don't you guys find some of us are I'm, I'm watching some of our clients straddle both worlds i call it awakening schizophrenia it's as though <laughs> they can they can go into this world where they remember and it's like i got up this morning i was so inspired but then something happens at noon and they spend the rest of their day in that place of I have to earn my my share of air today. So mm -hmm. it's a fascinating, fascinating time to be alive. And, um, you know, it's not a deserving or worthiness based universe. It's and in just, the ideal world where yeah. people really want these ideals, basically, they don't realize that you get in this world what you are and not what you want. And that's a really mm -hmm. big falling point. Yeah. You know, so. Well, when you become something, you have to become something before you can have something. Yep. So in the money world, that's a really important factor. So, and right. in, the, in, the, in the rest of the real world too, but you know, especially in the money world. Where, yeah, uh, and we use platitudes like money is just energy. Well, but yeah. everything is energy. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so right. it's like, what is this projection we've made about money and is it really about that in the first place? Or is it just about, you know, for me, when I realized in my cells, you know, that cellular way, it's an yep. enjoyment-based universe. It's a richness-based yes. connection-based yep. universe, you know? Yep. And as soon as I got that, the money just fell from, from the trees. And by the way, <laughs> the by money. the way, Harrison, you know, I, I can't remember who said it, but you know, Trees are made of wood, wood turns into paper, so money does come from trees. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, it's so funny. It, it took me years after my near-death experience because the thing that had said to me as I came back into the body was, and you must help the world to understand that they must give of themselves freely without expecting and love is all there is. And, you know, I, I walked homeless twice on the streets. And so I'm living in Venice Beach and I am homeless. And I see this lady pushing a grocery cart one day and I had just gone and gotten help from the system. So pride at first wouldn't let me go get help. And then I finally got help. And so I've got $30 worth of food stamps. And I hear in my head in that moment to give this lady my $30 worth of food stamps. and. And I was tapped into my heart in the moment and I heard trust. And so I gave it to her and literally within three days, $300 showed up for me. Hmm. Yeah. And it's like all of you are talking about Sarah and Jennifer and I mean, Harris and all of us. I mean, it's about realizing that abundance is everywhere present. And when we tap into that and embody that, what happens is, is just like you said, manna does fall from heaven. 
It is well, heaven. This, this, this idea that money is evil, I think is like really it's the worst possible thing, right? Because I really think money is an extension of our own energy, right? Mm -hmm. And not to make that too little, but if money is evil, then what are you? Right? You need money to live. Mm -hmm. How do how do you how do you reconcile that, right? It's like saying food is evil. <laughs> like how you need food to live, what do you mean? Like you you know what I mean? It's just I I think that's the enemy that that phrase right and you even said sherry your experience with money where your mother was sort of like it doesn't grow on trees and yeah. it's evil and there's not enough and there isn't enough for us and it's always going to be scarce for us and this kind of thing that focus putting your focus on that negative mm -hmm. creates more negative right um but that's what people do because they think well that's what we're taught societally so um yeah that's to me, that's what I'm speaking against is that idea, because there is enough if you do the right thing, so to speak. And it's not about being worthy. I think it's more about being aware and being tuned in. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to crack a joke here. Money isn't evil, but Jack Daniels is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy>, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's really interesting. I hear like there's a few themes going on. Mikey, I'm thinking of you that um, it feels like you got to this place where there was nothing to fix. And and I, I, it, it, it for, yeah. right. And Sarah, what you, what you were sharing too, and you, Sherry, about that, that there really is nothing to fix. Right. GPU yeah. shared it as well. It's like there really is nothing to fix. It's when we approach our lives from that fixing state, right. really coming from this crazy place where we're we're in this, you know, here's how it really works. And it's like we're five degrees off over here going, oh, I got to fix myself. But it's right here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's right here. We're just like 5% away there. And just experience life and and all the greatness that comes with it. I mean, it's so powerful. One of the things I love what you said, Jennifer, that with the sunset, so we did a, um, another summit during the pandemic called the Live a Joy Summit. And um, one of the questions we asked was, if joy was the currency, what would you do for work? And, <laughs> oh my gosh, we got the most incredible responses. It was so good. That's awesome. I love that. What, what, so here's a question I want to ask you, because you see this really in everything that people talk about these days. And it's the difference between I've got to take action and I got to hustle versus inspired action. Because, you know, everybody makes it out to be that you've got to work hard to get your needs met. Let's talk about that for a second. So we asked you be. GP, tell us. GP, go. I have a perfect one when you're done. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't know who, who you are, if you, there's not that internal sense of your own, own self-awareness, self-knowledge, um, just because of the way we've all been enculturated, you're going to seek the answer to that externally through your possessions, your accomplishments, and the like. And the underlying assumption that you're broken and need to be fixed will simply not be scrutinized. You simply won't take a look. Uh, Self-help is a $20 billion a year industry. <laughs> You'd think we'd, we'd have completed the job by now, right? <laughs> but <laughs> once, you start, once you start on the path of, of, of fixing, that's what you're going to do. You become a fixer, and if there's nothing wrong, you're going to break something in order to fix it. It's simply the way... We work. It's the way the mind works, right? And if we don't understand the way the mind works, we become a slave to it. And if I don't know who I am, I can't really ever be satisfied by what I acquire. Because it won't be really me that's doing it. It'll be this persona I've become that I believe myself to be, and that person wants that, and then I get it, and it's not satisfying. Well, i got to get something else, and it's this endless loop. Um, without that essential self-knowledge of that you are, you are happiness itself. It is, not, it is not a state, it's not something you arrive at, it's not a possession. That's why it's so, it seems so hard to find because it's you. It's the eye can't see itself. Happiness is what's looking through your eyes right now. But the mind has got this completely different version of you. And so it's forever in the process of seeking. 
uh, and, and it can never actually be fulfilled. That's the, that's the nature of it. I completely forgot what the question was, but it was fun. It was fun. It was fun going. It was fun. It's, I think Papa G said, it's, yeah. it, takes, it takes nothing to be happy. It takes a whole lot to be miserable. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody yeah. said the biggest secret about happiness is that God hid it inside of us rather than out there. <laughs> yeah, it ain't out there. Yeah, it ain't out there. It's all in here. Yes. And, and there isn't anything out there. There's only us. <laughs> There's Jerry, nothing out there to get. Jump in and tell you uh, one of the talks that I did recently. I had a lovely man named Jerome Hall, who is a multi, multi, multi millionaire in real estate, speak for me. And he was talking about mentoring some young people. And he said, he was asking this guy, and the guy says, I'm on my hustle, I'm on my grind. And you use that word hustle. Yeah. He said, please do me a favor and define for me what you think hustling is. What do you think what? Hustling. What do you, what do you, how do you define that word hustle? How do you define the word grind? And what the reason he asked him is because he felt that there were some things that he was doing that were a little bit unethical, mm. wasn't treating people with respect and treating them properly. And he actually asked him, and as he explained it, he said, if that's what you think hustle is, stop hustling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop grinding. <laughs> you want to take these words out of your vocabulary because you're not understanding that that should be service focused, right? And, and um, it sounds funny, but he was really criticizing that word. And I thought it was the perfect comment back to what you just asked is that um, we, all, we shouldn't always be hustling, quote unquote, or grinding, right? Because sometimes, again, it goes back to that forcing versus allowing. That person energy sometimes pushes people away yeah. um, and can lead people to do desperate things that they really wouldn't do if everything was clear to them as far as how they could um, do things, quote, unquote, ethically and properly, like drawing it to them instead of going out and trying to grab it, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, finding, that, finding that balance, that flow between when to act when or not. They talk about it in Zen as well. And it, it becomes, it becomes, it's neither action or not action. It's kind of non-action. It's kind of an action that is uh, in, in inspired by itself. It, when you see something, you can't help but act on it, right? But you have to, you have to see it first. And so there's this, it's not even a balance because in balance, nothing's happening. It's just sitting there, but it's a flow, of, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it's an art. And it takes some time and some maturing to be able to, to, to read the nuance and the subtlety, to know when to hold back and when just right, when's that right moment? I mean, that's the kind of timing that, uh, that uh, like a jazz musician, that would be instinctive. When the exact right timing for that, for that, for that note is all the difference in the world. And it's, it's something that has cultivated. It's a maturity that simply has to be cultivated. If you realize it's not about either, it never is. It's always about whatever this particular moment requires and how can I show up for this moment without any reference to the past, completely empty, so that I am now the perfect reflection of that moment. And, and now I'm in harmony with it. This is the Tao. This is the, this is the natural flow of life. And, it's, and, and you, are, you become that harm, harmonious flow because there's nothing resistance, resisting to it. And it just happens very naturally when, you know, when your heart is open and when that becomes important to you and you realize that this is what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no rules. You're not going to be able to get the check. Okay, I do this now. I, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It, this moment is going to make the... Moments, yeah. yeah. This moment is going to make the request. Moments, yeah. Yeah. I think we, for, we forget that we're, we are part of nature. We're not above her. Yes. And so as a tree, as a tree lives, a tree doesn't go down a checklist of, you got to go grow this branch today. And oh my gosh, it's going to rain tomorrow. The trees in my yard go down a checklist. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would like, those are special trees. Those are special <laughs> trees. Yeah. They're enrolled uh, in my classes, by the way. <laughs> no. That's awesome. It's so, it's so interesting that you that you know that you bring that up too because for me, you know, it's taking those moments to just get still, and and I realized through my meditation that you know a lot of people don't understand what meditation is. They think that 
you know, they have to have a guided meditation or they think that they have to think about something and imagine something. And I just go into that space of completely being still, no thought. And, and like years ago, I asked this question in the, it's probably been seven years ago or so, I asked the question, how to bridge the gap between time and space. And I was woken up at two o'clock in the morning and this voice said to me, you want the answer to your question? There is no gap between time and space. There's only now, That's right. only now. That's it. But, yeah. but but now is in flow as well, so yeah. that's the beauty yeah. of it. So it's yeah. it's not just not just an, an individualized moment. It's always a happening. Of yeah. some sort, which is absolutely, absolutely. It's interesting because it goes back to as well that you know for that tree, it's in thriving mode. When you're in survival, that's when you hustle, mm -hmm. right? You're trying yeah. to prove, you're trying to get, you're trying to go. But when you're actually in thriving, you're in receiving mode. You don't even think about allowing even. It yeah. just comes. The rain comes, the sun comes, you grow, everything just happens. And in that embodied state, um, it's almost like you're a living meditation. And again, mm -hmm. it takes some presence and some mastery. Mastery, mastery is such an arduous word. Yeah. Um, but it, it actually takes practice and, and fun. Like the enjoyment of developing <laughs> those skills is just so much fun. It's not like it's work and you get somewhere. You actually enjoy the unfolding magic of becoming a thriving being. It's, it's an amazing thing. And and, the, uh, be the beauty of it is that, and this is Alan Watts said this, and I'm, I'm just stealing it from him for a couple seconds here, but <laughs> the universe, the universe isn't going anywhere. Work in infinity go, right? It's not ambitious. It's not trying to achieve anything, be anything. Right. But what is something that's not going anywhere do? It plays. <laughs> it has fun. <laughs> so, so that's what we do, you know? And I think, you know, it's fundamental to everything that's great is to, is to be in a state of fun or to just be fun. You know, you don't even have to be in a state of fun, as GB would say. You just have to be fun. So. I think so, your trees are getting great is really important. Yeah. <laughs> Your trees are getting great value from you, Harrison. I'm upping the price this week. It's so funny. So last year I was given four words for the year in a dream, and it was expand, trust, believe, multiply. And then this year the I got one word, and the one word is oneness. That was it. And so, you know, I loved what you said earlier, Harrison, because years ago, I want to say early 2000s, I met Dr. John Demartini and oh, had oh dinner God. with him and later on got to be part of a big seminar of his. He gave me the book. His daughter actually gave me the book, you know, yeah. his values book. Yeah. And, and that's really where I opened up to a whole new awareness of really getting clear about what my values are, not the idealistic values, but my mm -hmm. true values. Like for me, I love, love, love speaking and teaching and serving. Yeah. And when I am, I feel like I'm walking on water. We get in this world what we are and not what we want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and flow, like you've been bringing in that flow. I'm like the leaf on the water and the leaf is just flowing. So back in the South, this is going to sound a little kind of off, but, you know, back in the South, when somebody was asked what, the, what their flow is like, uh -huh. somebody would say linoleum, wood, <laughs> carpet. <laughs> Sorry, a little, little linguistic joke. <laughs> wow. That's so funny. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, and I could be here all day holding our own summit here on uh, High Vibe Nation. But I want to just thank each and every one of you for the gift that you are, the value and the amazing love that you brought forward with us and the audience today. I want to mention to our audience, this amazing summit that's coming up, small shifts, big changes, you want to get registered for it because this last hour and 10 minutes that we've been on here has really touched my heart. I'm sure it's touched yours. It's giving you a small piece of everything you're going to receive by being part of this summit. So I ask each and every one of you to make sure that you go and get registered 
for this summit. It's on the screen here, www.smallshiftsbigchanges.com. For the podcast, that's smallshiftsbigchanges.com. Thank you, each and every one of you, for being here. Thank you for having us, sweetie. We appreciate that. You're amazing, Thank too, you. and we're all amazing. And this is the first time we've gotten a chance to know you, and that's awesome. You are awesome. You rock, baby. I had to make sure I threw that one in. And for those of you who are always supporting High Vibe Nation and watching us weekly, we had a special edition of High Vibe Nation today. Uh, you can always follow us at thehighvibenation.com, on Instagram, at The High Vibe Nation, and on Facebook, at The High Vibe Nation. Thank you, each and every one of you, as always, for being here, and create an amazing rest of the week. Until thank then, you. thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so thank much. You guys. Bye always. now, everyone. From everybody here at the High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com.